0: You're listening to What The Dev, the weekly podcast of SD Times. I'm Dave Rubenstein, Editor-in-Chief of SD Times. Today, we're talking about RPA, Robotic Process Automation. Joining me today are Burley Kawasaki. He's the Chief Product Officer at Business Process Automation Company K2, and Wayne Ariola, General Manager at Tricentis RPA. How you doing, fellas?
1: Really good. Thanks. Great, Dave.
0: Good, good. Thanks for uh, sitting in with us today. So uh, this is certainly a topic that people are looking into a lot. Automation seems to be the future of things. And uh, I know that uh, RPA, when it's uh, talked about, is uh, people talk about a way to automate repetitive tasks and to, uh, you know, free up staff to work on higher level projects. And in the meantime, reducing cost and the uh, likelihood of human error. So other people, though, see it as the beginning of a broader journey towards uh, artificial intelligence, machine learning, uh, with operations that can uh, analyze patterns and predict outcomes, things like that. So I'm curious to know where you guys see RPA uh, now and where it can add the most value to organizations. So uh, let's start with Wayne on that.
1: Thanks, uh, David. I really appreciate you having uh, me on and uh, obviously love the uh, love the. The podcast that you guys produce. Um, But, um, you know, so RPA, I think uh, if we start the conversation, the first thing you always have to say uh, to lend yourself to have a credible RPA conversation is that the hype is insane right now. Uh, We are uh, in overdrive when it comes to actually uh, what the expectations are today. Yet, if you look really pragmatically at RPA, RPA is a great technology that allows you to kind of connect up these interstitial spaces uh, between your applications, uh, and if those are manual tasks that lead you into a system or manual processes that connect, you know, maybe two pieces of your of your business process, RPA is a really flexible tool that comes with a really nice ROI that allows you to, as you say, eliminate the manual tasks. Uh, I think there's a lot to be discovered for it. Uh, and a lot more that is coming down the pipe as you will, as the technology and the opportunity matures. Uh, Yet, as we see it today, um, if there are manual tasks that are connecting into a broader business process, RPA can jump in nicely, assist in the automation of those tasks. And and what we've come to observe is it produces a really immediate ROI. Mm -hmm.
0: That's excellent. Uh, Burley, curious to know uh, your thoughts on on where you see the state of things right now and where where things could be going.
2: Well, I, I agree with Wayne that there's a tremendous amount of hype, um, and you know, you you have to believe that you know it's it's, it's sort of peaking right now because uh, the noise couldn't get any louder, I think. Um, but but having said that, I, I agree with Wayne that I I think you know there there are there's some really sort of powerful business uh, benefits and some quick ROIs that you get. And and so I think, you know, I, I'll use the analogy. It's a bit like the, you know, the, the old saying, if you're a hammer, everything looks like a nail. Um, I think, you know, the hype is certainly people thinking that they can solve all problems with the same hammer and RPA is definitely a hammer right now. Um, but if you instead view it as it's, it's a really good tool as part of your toolbox, but there's probably other tools that you may need as well. Maybe you need also a saw or a drill or a crowbar, right? Those are all different tools that may address slightly different uh, areas of your your journey towards, you know, sort of intelligent automation. And then I think that can be a very successful, um, you know, approach and strategy. And, And so, you know, use RPA for the things that it does well. Use it for the things that it can automate in terms of, highly repetitive tasks, and, you know, in replacing those, you know, as it makes sense in a very sort of quick fashion, but then there's other things where you may want to look more at the end-to-end process, and you need to sort of think about how do you orchestrate a a digital process well outside the bounds of what RPA could address, and then there's cases where I think you, you may want to not just automate a manual process, but eliminate or reinvent the the whole process entirely, and I think that's where some of the use cases around AI or machine learning are are particularly powerful. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, that's great. Um, I know that a lot of people in the industry talk about RPA as uh, another step towards uh, the complete digital transformation of their organization, Uh, but uh, Burley, specifically, I know you've said that it's uh, not a silver bullet, so can you talk about some of the challenges, perhaps, that... uh uh, moving in this direction can uh, present. Well,
2: I, you know, I'll start with you talked about how you know increasingly you know I think you know businesses of all sizes are are looking to become digital, right? And, and and this has been happening for some time, and so they're on a journey, and it's it's more than just technology, right? There's changes to process, changes to culture, changes to many things, and and I think what 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 I'm seeing when I talk with customers is they have released some type of new you know, mobile app or some sort of web app. And that's sort of the first step on the tip of the digital experience in some ways. But what they find is that behind that app that they've just released, there's a bunch of fragmented you know, processes, a lot of manual processes. I, I'm dating myself a little bit, but it's like when people first started releasing websites or e-commerce sites and it exposed all the batch processes on the mainframe and the fact that systems weren't giving real-time updates. And, and I, I think there's an analogy there to, you know, the, the digital is sort of exposing a lot of the, the fragmentation and the manual processes. And, and so I think, you know, the opportunity is, you know, to start to use, again, different tools in the toolbox to sort of make that, that process stitched together, right, in a more complete way. And, and so you can do it incrementally. The good news is it doesn't have to be a multi-year journey just to get to a solution. I think you can start to bite off parts of the process use an RPA for the things that it does well, but there may be other things that you want to bite off and incrementally enable to start stitching together the process behind the scenes.
0: Mm-hmm. What kind of things uh, would those be?
2: Well, I think a real good example is, again, getting sort of just visibility end-to-end to a process, right? An RPA may, you know, focus on a, on a single task that's being completed. But if I, if I think about it, if I go onto, let's say, Amazon, right, they're, they're an example of someone who's really looked holistically at the whole end-to-end process from, from their website all the way to a package showing up on my doorstep. Sometimes same day, right? And 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 that's only happened because they've they've really gotten both visibility and integration to an end-to-end process. Um, so I think visibility of in in you know linking together different sort of silos is is maybe one of those first steps, right? And and creating sort of a a, a view of that process gives also a, a pretty quick ROI for for
0: many companies. Right. I know when when RPA first came out and people were talking about it. Uh, it was really kind of in, in two ways. It was um, a, a lot of uh, internal business processes that companies would use to, let's say, automate a vacation request or automate, automate uh, you know, a sick leave kind of a thing. You know, very basic uh, task kind of stuff. Uh, but then other people are looking at automation, carrying all the way through to, uh, you know, application monitoring and feedback loops and, and testing and other areas. So uh, one of the things I'm curious to know uh, uh maybe uh, uh, wayne you can take this one on how how does rPA itself complement a lot of these other digital initiatives, like automating your pipeline or test automation
1: you know things like that so so there's a couple different answers depending on where you're coming from so um hey, one <laughs> uh, so uh, exactly so so but, but let's look at it at different layers right so let's look at. Leveraging skill sets. So the first thing you could look at uh, from an RPA benefit is the fact that, you know, in in the software testing space in particular, we look at this convergence of skill sets. So building automation um, for RPA and building automation for, say, a a automated test is relatively the same thing. So you're looking at the same kind of logic. You're looking at the same kind of loops. You're looking at the same types of verifications, error handling. You know technically the skill set uh, in terms of constructing the automation itself is somewhat synonymous right however when you start going up the stack the idea of understanding and uh, analyzing the process itself then you start to get this con- uh, really uh, a divergence of, of the skill set right um, and that's where it, it becomes interesting so um, when you when you look at RPA as an opportunity for the organization, you know, this idea of this, uh, this technology, which kind of sits in the middle, right, to connect up the applications that are have been somewhat siloed, you're really looking at this idea of what can I do to, to connect those pieces. Now, you, you mentioned an early uh, type of application where people were looking at internal automation, like the HR, HR onboarding process. If you've ever sat through an RPA demo, You've probably seen the HR onboarding process demonstrated for you, where someone gets their account number and their email address, and provisioned a PC and sent a mobile phone. Right? Um, that seems like one of the the biggest kind of uh, of processes that seem low risk, right? Um, but high high productivity because it it keeps someone manually from entering things into different systems and and that concept is still pretty rich now as it begins to broaden out you could do more and more and more um, and this is where we're seeing kind of the silos of where automation was occurring before let's say you had uh you know kind of it ops or uh you know or ideas of about uh um for example continuous delivery in the SDLC word world you know those things are still rift with um, with manual steps and bringing it together with a technology like RPA is certainly adds value. But what you have to remember is you're still taking advantage of the core processing element or core siloed application and then connecting that with something else. Um, traditionally, you'll look at RPA as the definition of taking. The information via the the user interface, and of course that's extending out into the API as well. But the idea of connecting those interstitial applications is where the value is locked up. David, uh, sure. uh, David I
2: was going to add just one comment. I mean, I think uh, that Wayne you know called out that you know RPA can can solve an uh, interesting problem of how to bridge between sort of technology generations, right? I, I think you know we've <laughs> we've seen that sort of older you know technologies older applications tend to live on longer than we, we think they will and, you know they're not all being modernized with well-formed apis as rapidly as you know you would think from <laughs> reading all the you know the industry uh, so i i think the ability for rpa to bridge back to older generations through the ui is you know it's very powerful right because i think it, it addresses the reality that you know, we've got a lot of existing you know, systems and applications. You don't have time to rewrite them and to build a bunch of APIs that you you can extend them and, and stitch them into a, a more modern digital process. Right. I think there's there's a lot of benefit from that. And right. you know, companies are seeing some very practical uses for, for RPA. Mm-hmm. But, Dave,
1: ah. but just to add on to that real quick. I, I sure. think it was. I think it was funny. Like if you if you reverse the uh, RPA clock, maybe three four years here, um, you're, the technologists in the room would say, "Well, RPA is pure BS uh, because why wouldn't I just invest the time to write the API uh, to create the the connection with those other applications?" And to Burley's point here is, you know, uh, the in the level of investment, the budget to invest in those older applications just dissipates as you want to go for your more modern, innovative stacks, right? Yet, the dependency on those other applications are never going to go away. So this is where I think over the years where uh, even the IT folks or all the developer folks have realized, hey, we're never going to get the time, we're never going to get the freedom to hit that area of the backlog. Um, to, you know, rewrite the API, we might as well we all just pull it out of the UI and move forward.
0: An excellent, excellent point. You know, one of the things that I was thinking about um, is, you know, making a RPA has become pretty easy for people to use. And I know a lot of uh, what they call these low-code and no-code solutions make creating uh, these types of automations um, super easy. Uh, is, that, uh, is that a direction that uh, you guys uh, are seeing and is that uh, perhaps driving uh, the adoption of, of RPA early? Yeah I, I think
2: it is I mean it clearly you know it sort of makes it more accessible I mean to the point we we're just discussing it's easier for someone with a low code you know sort of tool set and you know to to, to go through and build something than it is to wait for a, a developer to create an API Right, so I think democratizes getting information in and out of an app, and, and low code I think as a as a capability or a style of development is is caught on because it it helps address that backlog issue. Right, there's 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 a ton of things in the backlog that your best developers are working on that's keeping them busy. Can you push this out into you know developers that are maybe you know less skilled in some areas, or even push it out into the business? You know, and 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 have them take on some of that backlog. I think that's that's a you know powerful trend. So I think you know the combination of sort of low code plus RPA plus you know some of the process intelligent process automation has, has really sort of all converged at the right time, and it's really unlocked uh, some of the potential.
1: Interesting. And and then David, to that point, um, which is which I uh, 100% agree with Burley there, is that we still haven't figured out the governance around either. So, you know, if you, if you talk to some organizations about the citizen developer, I mean, this is like, this is scary stuff, right? What are you talking about? We can, we can move at light speed on a, on something that's uh, unapproved or maybe, uh, you know, uh, addressing sensitive data. Um, And with all the, you know, new rules that are out there, whether it's GDPR or SOX or whatever it might be, you know, this idea of, enabling the citizen developer we haven't really caught up on the governance of that quite yet uh and so the the idea of of putting or unleashing this type of automation into someone's hands for some organizations it's pretty scary on other organizations though they are seeing the upside of it meaning that hey if i give control to somebody to create automation on the manual task they're doing anyways right this is a net net this is you know pure win So uh, we're still in a pretty delicate balance, and I think very early in the game in terms of this evolution as well. So I'm curious to know, uh, uh, what do you guys recommend
0: organizations do to effectively bring in uh, RPA in a way that they obviously can benefit from and maybe perhaps drive their digital transformation?
1: I've seen organizations approach it in two fundamental ways. The first one is that they're enamored about the ROI associated with eliminating The manual tasks and they're moving forward pretty at a pretty fast pace from a technology perspective. And then we see the organizations who are moving forward from more of a business process optimization perspective, um, in which case they're looking at a broader spectrum of technologies that can potentially assist them. Um, you know, you know, adopting the technology from the pure technology perspective, you know, we've never seen that to be so successful. Because what you end up doing is potentially just automating the manual task as is, and you're not truly taking advantage of the technology to truly offer the way you would design it for automation. And design for automation is distinctly different than what you would do in terms of design for manual outcomes. So my first recommendation is to say that, you know, we are basically at this next great evolution of business process uh, uh, redefinition or re-engineering. I mean, you could you could say that the Depending how you want to look at it, you could say, you know, we definitely went through one at Y2K, and then we definitely went through one at web services and the, and the evolution of, of APIs. And now the next great evolution of, of business process reengineering or redefinition is going to be driven by AI and ML, right? Um, and when you take that more holistic approach, I think you're, two things happen. First thing is that you're going to get a better outcome from a business process perspective. And I really like Burley's example of Amazon, right? That was something that was built for an, for a purpose, right? And the outcome was a vision, and they definitely achieved it. And by the way, it's the most seamless experience that you've had across any online retailer, right? Um, and then you have the the, the idea of adding in the, the new next wave of technologies in order to optimize those outcomes, whether it is AI-driven, whether it is ML-driven, whether it is looking at a broader BPM platform or integration of, of various data that you have throughout your organization. I think taking this more holistic view in terms of what the business outcome should be is, is obviously the, the best way to go.
2: Yeah, I would I would agree. I mean, to sort of steal the, you know, the Covey quote, you know, begin with the end in mind, right? And, and I think, you know, if the end in mind is, you know, you, you want to, you know, reduce your your online ordering to fulfillment experience to you know same day you'll take a very different path and if you know you had a different outcome in mind so so I agree starting with the business outcome in mind and then understanding what are the key parts of your business or your process that need to be digitized to support that outcome Um, you have to start there now I think where people get sort of a little uneasy or scared is when you talk about re-engineering a process everyone thinks back to the big you know hype around bpr and like oh this is going to take years and i'm going to hire a bunch of high-priced you know consultants to come in and help in and, and obviously that that Is not sort of a palatable sort of timeline and and effort for most businesses these days. You have to move at speed and have to deliver benefits, you know, this quarter to their their shareholders. And and, and so I think that the opportunity here is really enabled, we talked earlier about some of the benefits of low code and, you know, just the the quick ROI. And I think that points to you you can deliver against a long-term outcome and a long-term digital vision in much more agile steps. And, And so view it more like you with agile delivery, where I'm doing sprints, I'm delivering, you know, incremental benefit every few weeks or every month um, against that outcome, but, you know, I I don't, I don't have to take a long time and I can fill in bits and pieces of the process without waiting for the whole process to be re-engineered. And so I think as long as you take that mindset and you're continuously delivering incrementally against that vision, then that's a nice way to marry sort of the long-term vision, the long-term opportunity with the ability the business needs to see near-term results.
0: Gentlemen, that's uh, all the time we have for today. So uh, thank you uh, very much for joining us on the What the Dev podcast of SD Times. Again, with me were Burley Kawasaki of uh, K2, Chief Product Officer there, and Wayne Ariola, GM at Tricentis RPA. Uh, interesting discussion, uh, fellas. Hopefully we can circle back at a future time and, uh, and uh, elaborate on this a little more. But thanks for your time.
1: Great. Thanks, David. Thanks.
0: And thanks to everybody for
1: listening to What the Dev. This is Dave Rubenstein. So long.